Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 301st edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world this week from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, California, where technology meets entertainment. I'm looking at the studio window. Absolutely gorgeous day here, probably about 80 degrees. The whole west of LA is um, bathed in sunlight. Looks absolutely beautiful. This week in our interview segment, we've got something really different. We've got an interview conducted by Tim Draper from his blog series, The Startup Hero. Now, Tim, for those of you who don't know, is the legendary Silicon Valley venture capitalist who founded Draper University in 2012 with a vision and a belief that in order to change the world, we have to change education. And I could not agree more. My my son, Hunter, went to uh, Draper University and he said it was extraordinary, a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where he actually learned more than he did in all his years at George Washington University. Now, Tim, for those of you who don't know, his investments include Skype, Hotmail, Tesla, Baidu, Theranos, Overture, Twitch TV, Yipay, Indiegogo, DocuSign, Parametric Technology, Angel List, and a heap more. He's the creator of Viral Marketing, which, as you know, was instrumental in the success of Hotmail and Skype. And uh, so I thought it'd be different. He's got a blog, which is fantastic, and it's called The Startup Hero. And he set it up because... You know, most um, entrepreneurs watch uh, Shark Tank, and Shark Tank is just another scripted reality show. It has no resemblance to reality whatsoever. And uh, I know people that have done deals to get onto um, Shark Tank that haven't needed the money and haven't wanted to, just good promotion. So um, he, uh, today... He set set it up so that he could um, show people what it was really like to be a venture capitalist. He's one of the biggest in the world. And today, Tim interviews Kari Thor Ranarsen from Authentique, and that will be after the first break. Now, I'll preface this next story with a statement that on this program, we don't discuss politics, only where it happens to affect the economy or the business community. Now, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I think he's a narcissist that's concerned only about himself. And I think his administration's social policies are deplorable. However, I believe we do need to give credit where credit is due. President Trump unleashed a tweet on Monday about the state of the economy, which he said is thriving, the highest stock market ever the best economic numbers in years, unemployment lowest in 17 years, wages rising, part of what Trump wrote on Twitter. So let's have a look at the truth 
of these statements by our president. Highest stock market ever? That's true. Since Trump's election in November, the stock market has hit several historical highs. In February, the Dow Jones Industrial Average broke the 21,000 mark. The current year-to-year, year-to-date gains for the S&P 500 index are higher than the average annual gains since 1928. So the stock market's on a tear. Investors believe that the new administration will be more friendly to them than the Obama administration. So his first claim, the highest stock market ever, is true. His second claim was that unemployment was the lowest in 17 years. This is also true. He claims um, that uh, in June 2017, the national unemployment rate for Americans 16 and over was 4.4%, according to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And in July 2000, 17 years ago, the unemployment rate was 4%, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Now, when former President Barack Obama was inaugurated in January 2009, the unemployment rate was 7.8% before climbing to 10% nine months later. But when Obama left office in January, the rate was 4.8%. It's now 4.4%. So there's no question that unemployment has decreased under Trump. Trump also claimed that wages are rising again. This is true. The Bureau of Labor Statistics announced earlier this month that real average hourly earnings for all employees increased 0.2% from May to 0.5% in June. So average weekly earnings over that time period increased from increased $24.30 from $881.33 in June 2016 to 905.63 in June 2017. So that claim is also true. Trump claims that there's a big jump in business and consumer confidence. Again, this is true. Like the unemployment statistics, this increase predates Trump's presidency, although there's a strong argument to suggest that Trump is the primary factor for the increase. In the last month, U.S. business confidence has reached its highest level for eight years, and the report from Reuters says that U.S. consumer confidence is near a 16-year high. So while I'm not a Trump fan, irrespective of your political viewpoint, these are all good things, and they're all true, which is unusual for a Trump tweet, and they deserve to be applauded. So let's hope that they continue. Do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? We now have about 1.7 million daily subscribers, and we try to keep it so that you can read it in just 30 seconds, and every day we tackle a different subject. Um, it amazes me that to write the, to write the five daily newsletters takes me a full day and a half a week, and yet... You can read all five of them in two and a half minutes. <laughs> so it just goes to show you. Um, we tackle different subjects every day, from advances in medicine to new apps to new technology to subjects like Hyperloop, autonomous cars and blockchain. 
the um, newsletter is totally free and its information is invaluable. So if you don't get the website, you don't get the website. If you don't get the newsletter, go to my website, bobpritchard.com and enroll. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And it takes you 25 seconds to get online to bobpritchard.com and enroll. And if you don't like it, just simply hit the unsubscribe button at the end and it's over. But you really need the information. Now, we've spoken on this program often about CRISPR, um, which enables the editing of DNA and protein links to um, alter somebody's DNA. Now, the question arises, is this a giant step forward for mankind or is it just a step towards our demise? Biologists in Oregon using the revolutionary genome editing technique crispr Cas9 went beyond previous experiments in China, which used CRISPR to alter the DNA of human embryos, but in China they were targeting a specific gene associated with a human disease. But this research is essential if we're to know whether it's possible to safely and precisely make corrections in embryos, embryos' DNA to repair or replace disease-causing genes. There's currently a regulatory barrier, which includes a ban on using National Institutes of Health funding for experiments that use genome editing techniques in human embryos. But the first experiment using CRISPR to alter the DNA of human embryos was in, nine, in 2015. Using embryos obtained from fertility clinics had such serious genetic defects that they could never have been developed. In the new work, biologists created human clinical quality embryos using sperm donated by men with the genetic mutation that they plan to try and repair with CRISPR. A 2017 experiment, also in China, used CRISPR to edit DNA in normal, viable, fertile, fertilised eggs or one-cell human embryos. Now, biologists pr produced very few off-target efforts or editing of genes that CRISPR was supposed to leave alone. So it's been highly accurate. Because changing the DNA of an early embryo results in changes to cells that will eventually produce sperm and eggs, if the embryo is born and grows to adulthood, any children that he or she has will inherit the genetic alteration, which is called germline editing. Now, that means it will finish, you know, some... There are some diseases you hear are hereditary and they've gone on for generations and generations. This will enable to stop the passing down of these diseases. But it has led to fears that such manipulation could alter the course of human evolution. 
it's also triggered warnings about designer babies. I'm sure we've all heard about that, in which parents customise their IVF embryos by adding, removing or changing genes for certain traits. For example, you know, you would be able to um, dis- change a male DNA so that it was never the person was never bald or that had blue eyes or any one of hundreds of other modifications. Now, germline editing might one day be a way for some parents to have healthy biological children, such as when both mother and father carry genetic mutations that cause severe diseases. Now, I think this is a wonderful step forward. And I really don't care if people want their kid to have blue eyes or not go bald or not get diabetes or not get ALS or hundreds of other hideous diseases. I think that if we can alter the DNA so that doesn't happen, I think it's wonderful. However, I also believe in full equality for everyone, black, white, green, pink or brindle, lesbian, gay, transgender, I believe everybody's equal. And I believe that churches make absolutely great restaurants. Now, I do expect that my comments supporting CRISPR alteration of DNA will probably have me struck down by the morally righteous who come riding in on their white horses to save the world from calamity. Why can't they just let people be people and do what they want to do? I can't work that out. Now, I'm working on a great project that reinforced to me how important it is to have a great team. If you ever needed convincing, the performance of this White House should reinforce it. There's an old saying that the team is only as strong as its weakest link. And that's why it's so critically important to take a lot of care to build your team. Close friends may be cheap, they may also be loyal, but they're seldom going to cut it and they're more likely than not to fuck up your business. Now, team building is is a time-consuming process and the selection of people with the right talents, the right personalities and similar goals and values it takes a hell of a lot of effort, a hell of a lot of work, a hell of a lot of focus. But talented people are a dime a dozen. There's millions of them everywhere. But melding them into a cohesive team, that's another thing altogether. The right person will build the company, encourage others and act like a catalyst. It takes a long time to build a strong corporate culture but it only takes a few very bad actions to destroy it. You know, Jeff Bezos didn't build Amazon on his own. Zuckerberg didn't build Facebook alone. Musk didn't build a space rocket or the best car ever built on his own. And Steve Jobs really didn't invent anything. 
but they all had great vision, the skills and the leadership qualities to build fantastic teams who built great products. At the same time, Mike Lazaridis didn't screw up BlackBerry on his own. Jeffrey Skilling didn't send Enron down the tubes alone. They had poor, unmotivated teams with no strong guidance to help them. And look what happened. Now, before you look for the right people, do you know precisely what you're looking for? Not only the skill sets, but the character traits that fit with your corporate culture. One of the problems is most people don't even know what their corporate culture is. So my advice, carefully select the people that fit your company and your team culture. Now, if you rush it and focus on skills alone rather than the whole picture, it's likely that you will have a whole lot of pain waiting for you somewhere just up the path. You know, your company is a reflection of the skills, the moral character and personality of your team under your leadership. If it's a finely oiled machine working to a strong compass, strongly disciplined, your company is well on the way to success. Now, I'm very proud to welcome to the 301st Bob Pritchard Radio Show my friend, the legendary Tim Draper speaking with Kari Thor Runnison from Authentique after this short break. Now, Tim decided to create the anti-Shark Tank blog by showing what a real entrepreneurial interview is like, not the fake Shark Tank. You can listen to all of Tim's Startup Hero blogs and podcasts on iTunes. So that's Tim Draper, Startup Hero and there's blogs and podcasts. You're going to learn a ton of things from Tim's guests, and you'll get a feel for the type of things a venture capitalist hears. So I'll be back in a minute or so with Silicon Valley legend Tim Draper. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, I'm Tim Draper, and this is Startup Hero. 
Welcome to Startup Hero. I'm here with Kari uh, Rasmus Runerson, yep. and uh, he runs Authentic. And uh, Kari, why don't you tell us about Authentic? Sure. Uh, so Authentic is an um, identity verification and a private information management uh, platform uh, that verifies a person's real identity and then issues a um, government-grade digital biometric passport that the user can use to authenticate and verify themselves when doing business online. Uh, all a the information. Biometric passport. Yep. And so, how would they, a physical passport? No, so it's it's digital. Um, yeah. And and it's it's uh, saved on the user's phone and in the blockchain. Um, and all the information is is only accessible by the user himself. So, authentic or anybody else doesn't have any uh, access to it. Or uh, so it's user it's users controlled and and, and owned. So you've got this uh, digital passport, and then what's the benefit to the user? Well, I mean, uh, one of the things that we've been going through now is, is we opened up a branch or an office and a daughter company in Germany, um, and that's taken uh, over four months to open a bank account. It's taken four trips to Germany to open one bank account always because of some issues with the bank at the bank, banks and they, they did the KYC, the know your customer um, process, which all banks have to put their users through. Um, and every time there's been some problem, they, they photocopy the passport, the, 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 the copy wasn't, was too dark, uh, they needed a signature. So I had to go back and forth uh, four times to Germany to do that. With something like Authentic, um, you could do that across borders or, or from a, uh, you know, a location that's not um, at the branch itself. So now, but I have an Estonian card. Me too, yeah. And, uh, and I opened a bank account in 24 hours and it works for the whole EU. So why why wouldn't people just do that? Become Estonian virtual? Well, I, I think a lot more people should do that. Um, and, and basically, it's it's not too dissimilar from the Estonian uh, EID. Um, I'm from Iceland originally, and and, and so I, I have an Icelandic EID, and, and most of the Nordic countries have EIDs. Uh, the problem and, and a huge limitation to the EIDs programs that are out there, including the Estonian one, is that EID could, is electronic, electronic ID identification. Yeah. yeah. yeah is that you can only use it inside that country. And even inside the country, it's fairly limited. It's usually limited to uh, government agencies, you know, filing tax returns and, and stuff like that. Uh, with Authentic ID, we, we, we allow the user to use that same concept, but across borders and in any country. Uh, it's also a lot easier for uh, companies to, to participate, uh, so they don't have to go through a huge bureaucratic process of of, of being part of that system. Um, so, um, you know, a, a gym or a hairdresser could even do that. So if I have this, um, this ID, electronic ID from Authentic, I, um, it, am I less likely to be hacked or is there, and, and do I use it every time I've got a, uh, make a payment or every time I open a bank account or, or trade or do so any of that? The way it's used by the online service, uh, that's our customer, is up to that service. Um, they can use that to verify a person once or they can use it if they're doing a purchase that's high value. Um, an auction site might want to put a threshold on anything over $1,000. They need somebody to sign up with Authentic ID. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very versatile in how to use it and it can be used in so many different fields.
So let's, uh, okay, so is the biggest use case the, the bank or the government or the individual? Who, who cares about it the most? Um, or Target or Sony, the people yeah, who get a hack. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, the, the, one of the main benefits is that it is on a blockchain and only the user has access to that blockchain entry. Um, so, uh, and each entry is, is even uh, separately encrypted um, on the blockchain. So, uh, hacking it is not impossible. You know, nothing's impossible, I guess. But it, the amount of energy and work you need to go through that to hack somebody to get his. Um, birthday or whatever um, is, is just beyond what anybody would do. Um, yeah, so so it's it's unhackable in that sense. Okay, it's unhackable. So how Joe won't like that. I said that. Yeah. What's what's my yeah, my um, purpose in having this is to be more secure or to prove I'm me. Be more secure and for you, um, a lot more convenient than going four times to Germany to open a bank account, for instance. Sure. Um, uh, an online because service. Why? What? How? Do, what do you have for me that I can take to the German bank so that I can open it just like that? So we. we so one of my co-founders has been working on uh, electronic ID schemes in in, in two Nordic countries, um, and we're trying to have that level of accuracy and security. Um, but at the same time, keeping convenience of the user being able to do this verification um, from his home or, or office. Uh, with with the current EIDs out there, you always have to go to physical location. Uh, like with Estonia, you had to go to an embassy or or a consulate to to uh, to get your your EID. Um, authentic is is completely automatic um, and and from. From your office or home. So, how do you know it's me? Is it a face face recognition, right. a fingerprint, a password, some combination of them? Yeah. So, so, so what we, is we start with really the only way of truly what's called entity identity binding, which is binding the entity, which is you, to the identity, which is what your government has issued you, okay. which is your passport. Uh, on your passport, we we access the chip of the passport because we get information um, that's visible. So there's nothing uh, that secretive. Uh, the information that's printed on your passport, we can get access to digitally. So we get a digital uh, copy of your picture. Uh, we you take a selfie yourself, and then we match those two pictures. Uh, we make sure that the passport is is hasn't been changed in any way or modified. So you, you match them automatically, not with them a automatically, human yep. watching. Okay, yep. you match them. Match them. Make sure that the person that's taking the photos is a live person and not a, a video. Or and a how photo. do you know it's not just a photo? Uh, we do magic. Oh, okay. Magic so, that, that, so that, that. somehow you can keep it from you. You can you can beat a video. Yes. Like if I have a really high quality video yeah. of me moving like that, yeah. uh, someone else can't use that. Correct. Yeah. And you've got a way of making sure that yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And is that your secret sauce? Is that your uh, that is part of it. for yeah, your life? That is, that is part of it. Um, the main secret sauce is, is I would say, the, the business model. Um, what is the business model? So the business model is that, that uh, the user uh, can, can adopt this without charge and can use this without charge. Uh, it's always the online service that's paying for it. Um, depending on, so for instance, a, a financial institution would, this is, they, they would, so in, in, according to numbers in Europe, uh, a, a KYC check, manual KYC check by a bank costs about 50 euros or dollars. Yeah. Um, we could lower that substantially. Um, 
and adding how, to that. How? How? What happens? Just because the price of, of the automatic process using the app um, is, is a lot so more. So they would, they would use your app, and on your app would be, hey, this is Tim Draper, and here he's been verified. Yeah. And After you've given consent to the you have 99.999 whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Likelihood that this is Tim Draper. Yeah. Okay. After you give consent, it's always your consent. So I give consent for Sharing the bank the to use this. Yes. To use authentic. Yeah. And then the bank can do all their work yes. just electronically, yeah. quickly. Yeah. And that will help them move money or do whatever they have to do. Yeah. So and they're the ones who are going to pay you for it. Yes, exactly. And why is that a unique part of your business? Why, you said the business model. Uh, is there something more to the business model? The part that's maybe more unique is that, that, that we don't claim any ownership of the information. So we're not trying to make money from the information of the user. We don't even know the information that you have there. It's, it's all controlled by you. You're the holder of the private key to the blockchain entry. Um, so we never know really what's going on there. And, and we're not trying to, to monetize off that information. I see. So, uh, so it becomes uh, just scrambled up in the data sphere somewhere. Yeah. And I have my, I keep track of all my data. And that can include what my credit card number exactly. and my yeah. social security number and yeah. my passwords yeah. and whatever else. Basically, and you never see it. Right. But you, you take all that data and you say, and you put my face on it and you say, that's that person and they're, atti they're attached to that data and it's on this blockchain, right? So information that you need to verify to a third party from that pool, you can do and, and you decide what information is being shared. So would this be efficient enough to be done like, I mean, I think of Target. Would this be an efficient enough way for Target to use this? And, um, it, it just every time a new customer comes through with a credit card or whatever. Right. So, so part of the process is that the onboarding process, the first time you do this using a passport, takes about 60 seconds. After that, you've done the process. You don't need to do that every single time. You want to uh, verify your identity to an online service. So after that, it takes about two seconds. So we lower the threshold of connecting your ID or verifying your ID to multiple sites uh, down to one or two seconds. Are you and ultimately going to have people just go and buy things and then just walk by and take the stuff, mm -hmm. maybe put their finger down? or We haven't really thought of it that way. Part because we don't want to interfere with buying habits or anything like that. So, so you know, there is a possibility of, of using this as a single sign-on. We just don't want to do that. We don't want to get that big brother stamp on us. Yeah. So, so it's uh, it's always up to you. You always give consent. And maybe a better example than than Target would be like Ashley Madison. Uh, you sign up to Ashley Madison. They know a lot of personal stuff about you right. that was then ultimately hacked. Using authentic, um, the only thing Ashley Madison or any dating website really needs to know is you know. Are you a male or a female? Uh, what age are you? And are you a real person? So we can tell Ashley Madison that Tim Draper is a male, he's this age, and he's been verified, and we know who he is, or he's been verified um, up to a very high accuracy. Um, and that's all Ashley Madison really needs to know for you to be a good uh, user on the site. So if, the, if, it, is, if it is hacked, uh, they won't get your name because that will never be in there, and it's really none of your business. It's none of their business if I am on a website, um, whether or not I should be there. Right. 
and the um, would you put medical records on something like this? It's definitely, uh, there's been interest from the medical community uh, doing that because that is a huge problem, um, especially in, in, in like in the states where where you have no centralized databases. Um, in many other Nordic countries, you have centralized, in Estonia, you have a centralized database with medical records and government records. Um, but in, in places like the U.S., uh, you don't have that. So that's definitely something that could be added. How much, um, do you have any customers so far? So we, we expect to launch in May. Uh, okay. We're just finalizing it and, and strengthening the product, um, strengthening the, the security features, uh, the lightness detection, all that. Um, so we have, we're working with development partners that are, that are implementing this and giving us feedback. Um, but yeah, so May, um, June, I would say we, we, we're going to launch. Um, and when you launch, what's the plan? Are you going to launch and then start talking to some of the, the high, are there some smaller customers you can go after that might be earlier adopters, or do you have to go after these big ones that have the big problems? I think to begin with, we talk to small ones simply because it's easier to get access to them and, and get a meeting with decision makers. I've been in the other side in previous startups where it's an enterprise sale and, you know, with a lead time of nine to 12 months. Um, at least first we want to, we want to work out all the kinks and, and make sure that it's really up to par because we don't want to send a, you know, a half, half complete product out there. It really, our reputation depends on it being secure and accurate. And um, do you have a few early customers that you really say, hey, these are going to be perfect candidates for us? So, it, it, yes, so, so it's, it's, it's maybe um, twofold. It's, it's marketplaces, um, auction website, for instance, uh, that uh, there's a lot of, 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 of damage that can be done by a bad actor that takes part in an auction. You know, he, even he's, if he's not the winning bid, uh, mm -hmm. he can influence the, the, the bidding history. Uh, so they really want to uh, manage that, that there are no bad actors uh, taking part in, in an auction. Um, and then you have the fintechs or the financial um, institutions where, where it's, it's a matter of, of regulation. They need to um, subject their, their users to this process, and we can offer them a much more convenient way to do that and, and cheaper, which is not the main sales message, but that's, that's part of it. And are there competitive services that have something like this, or, uh, and what do you have over them? So there, there, I mean, this is, is when we started looking into this, it, there were not a lot of competitors. Uh, it's been growing, but, but, um, part of what, uh, is common with all of them is that they're all using the user information to some extent to, to monetize off that. And we really decided that, that that is the one thing that we feel the users are concerned about when we talk to users. Um, who, who, who owns my information, who sees it, who can access it, you know, is it, especially within new, new laws, I think in the U.S. where, where um, internet providers are getting more access to users' information, uh, people are very concerned about this. So, so by saying it's user-controlled uh, and consent, uh, I think we, we have a clear differentiation from the other competitors. And your, your, what do you call it, facial recognition or whatever, yep. the recognition yep. system, is that unique or do other people have some? No, uh, so when we started out, we, we looked into our own, um, but it really it's become a commodity. 
there are several really good players that offer a solution as vendor. So you're going to go out and use theirs? Uh, so we use the core, but then we enhance it. So uh, because we're using, so we're using, for instance, a a um, provider that's that's doing the security for e-gates in Europe. Uh, so you go to Europe, European um uh, airport and we use the e-gates. We're using the same vendor that's doing the face recognition there. Um, but we need, because in an airport you have uh, a machine that controls the, the height of the camera, you have equal lighting from both sides, and obviously when you're at home you might have more lighting from this side which produces shadow here, so we need to correct those things. So so the, the core matching uh, algorithms, we, we have some else, but we need to augment that and enhance it. And you've been uh, bootstrapping for quite a while. Yeah. Um, uh, what made you want to do this? It's you, it's been a couple of years, yeah. right? Yeah. So wh what made you decide you this is something you really wanted to go after? You just so luckily, I've been I've been in a startup that had a had an exit. So I've, I've been fueled by this foolish um, vision of you know I can I can I can do it again. Uh, honestly, I think that if I hadn't had a success, successful exit there, I probably would have given up. Um, but I know that uh, if you're in this uh, startup environment, you need to be uh, you, you need to realize that it is a roller coaster. That you will have a lot of downsides. That you will have a lot of hard times, times when you can't pay yourself and stuff like that. And, and because I was just more realistic about this journey, uh, I think that's what's kept me going. And the feedback. I mean, we've gotten a lot of good feedback. I mean. Uh, we met at a, at a pitching event um, where, we, where we where we came in second place, and, and by the way, why second? You, you were in the jury, but, yeah, but uh, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, just just the feedback and, and 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 realizing that that you know the market is huge, the the, the, the need is really big out there, and, and we see this growing to be really the the um, you know the core of your identity online. So anything that's identifiable and verifiable can be added to that. And then you can use that not only for online sites, you can also use it, you know, checking into your flight. You have you have the digital certificate on your phone, you can use that anywhere. Um, checking into a hotel, you know, all these places, you can you can eliminate a lot of lines, for instance, queues uh, at different places. Boarding a 350 person airplane takes 30, 40 minutes. I mean, if, if you use a solution like ours, which is still in a, in a prototype or a idea stage, I guess, uh, you could potentially get that done a lot quicker. So this, could this replace the TSA? Maybe. The security people at the airport? Um, no, but I think, I think we could definitely cut down the checks and the, and the lines. I mean, coming to the States last weekend, I spent two and a half hours in the immigration line. Yeah. I was thinking like this. this they could this use is not something, yeah, right? This is not and then you've got um, you're based in Europe. What um, do you feel like you are going to just start in that market, or are you going to come to the U.S. right away, or what? Is this going to be a global business, or a yeah? I mean, it's definitely going to the global business. Um, I, the good thing about starting in Europe is that uh, most Europeans have a passport. And that is our main means of identification. Uh, we can use driver's licenses, for instance, and ID cards, um, but but we're starting out with with the passport, and and, and it's just a lot more common for Europeans to have passports than Americans. So you're going to replace the passport? Oh, it, it, we use that to to do the verification. And and will they use this instead of a physical passport in the future? 
in the future. I mean, but not right away. No, so I mean, you're, you're calling it a passport, but it's really, it's a bank ID. Or it, a, it's, an ID it's, it's that a ID says, on, I'm, yeah, here yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We call it a passport because it, it, it allows you to pass through. Pass through certain things where yeah. they're looking for right. yeah. for yeah. people to match their thing. Well, that's great. Um, any uh, anything you run across that you were frustrated by, or you know, is there are there any issues that you've um, come into as you've built this business? What's happened? Mm-hmm. It's, it's been quite a ride. Uh, I mean, we've we've done the. Uh, the pivot that you, I guess you need to go through. Uh, it started out as a very, and it's actually kind of funny because it started out as a very simple app. So it started out as a, as a, as a, a mobile app that took pictures that you could verify. So, um, you know, we're taking collectively over a billion pictures a, a day. Um, and I thought it was strange that, you know, once a photo used to be evidenced in court, uh, nowadays you can, you can take a photo on your phone, you can use Photoshop and change it and you wouldn't even see a difference. And right. I just thought it was strange that we can't trust this piece of evidence that was, you know, thought to be, um, beyond all doubt, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, so we started out making a, a simple app that just, um, took a picture and it was encrypted. You know, the app talked to the hardware and was encrypted and, and timestamped and hashed and everything. So you could just, you know, this is what happened. Uh, this is actually what happened and it just evolved from there. So, uh, it's, it's become a lot bigger and, and, and just the legal environment that we are in now. Um, because just like the KYC regulation is this different uh, between each country in, in Europe. It's similar, but it's always a little bit different. Um, so. Yeah, it's just the complexity has grown a lot, which I really didn't envision when I started this. Now, um, do you think that you're going to have to pivot again uh, so that the business, you know, 15 years from now is going to look different or better? No, I'm really content. Up until uh, about nine months ago, I always felt there was something missing. There was something that needed to be, like, not everything was falling in place, but I'm, I'm really happy with our vision, our, 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 our solution stack and everything. So I, I don't know. The only thing I see changing is that I, I, there's no reason why authentic, um, couldn't become the, the you know, the, 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 the go-to ID when you're tra- uh, communicating or, 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 um, transacting online. Uh, and it's, it, it will be as easy as, as just, uh, two second verification and you verify to an additional online service that you are, you say you are. Um, so it could be as easy as, you know, hairdresser taking up because people are, are booking, uh, time slots and they're not coming. If, if, if your identity is verified and you know that, that, um, it's connected to your real identity, you're more accountable for your actions online than if you can do it just behind some email that nobody knows which, where it leads to. And, um, just so I get it straight, when I verify, do I put a camera in front of my face? Yeah. So yeah. the process is you, you download the app, you take a selfie, you, you scan the passport or the driver's license, and then the magic goes on um, behind the scenes. Oh, okay. And, and well, that, wait, that's when you start. Yes. But then when I'm verifying, right. like, for the right. so, so florist it, or the hairdresser, right. then, uh, it's, a then of, it's just I take my camera and uh, put it up in front of me? That's, no, so, so the way to do it is that there's a QR code or a code that's displayed on the website. Um, on my profile page, I take a picture, the QR code talks to the certificate on the phone, blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and. So it's not verifying the 
the look. That's only one time. That's, oh, that's okay. only that's only the initial verification. Okay. How, we can use that as as a backup. So if there is something fishy going on and there are some flags and we don't think that it is Tim Draper that's using the phone, uh, that might be a backup method, yeah. like a two step uh, authentication thing. So yeah. So the authentication is no different from a lot of the. Not the, not the whole process. You just type in a six-digit number or something, and and it goes. Or you. Sorry. How how do I get the the um, florist or the salon to to know it's me so that I can send I can give money to them? Yeah. So so it would be like in in this in the in the checkout process. It would be like you know. Um, right, so I've got my phone. I'm in the checkout process. Yeah. I, you know, show them, show them a, a QR code or something. No, so you you check you click to verify to the forest, and there's a QR code that that is um, retrieved from our servers. Take your phone, you snap it, and the phone and the website talks together, and and you've been verified. They they get the QR code. The, the QR code is displayed on on their website. On their website, retrieved from our servers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's happening already, that part. Yeah, yeah. Um, good. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, yeah terrific. So uh, it's authentic. It's, how do you spell it? So it's it's authentic with a T-E-Q in the end. T-E-Q dot com. com. Yes. Terrific. Great. So if any of you are interested in learning more about authentic, send them a, send them a message or go look at their website. Absolutely. Great. Thanks so much. Excellent. Thanks for being on the show. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Radio Show coming to you on Voice America Business Channel from Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles. We um, we talk about a lot of tough stuff um, on the radio and on, on this program and we talk about business as it really is and it can be hard. And so... You know, we don't give enough exposure to the good things that are happening out there. So I've got a story for you that even if you are a total narcissist, this story will make your heart sing. Now, Amy married Mr. Wright 23 years ago. They're the proud parents of four children. And the two youngest... Bitty and Bo both have Down syndrome and this makes Amy and Mr. Wright feel like they're the luckiest people on the planet. Now they're advocates for the value, inclusion and acceptance of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, IDD. And the Wrights have dedicated their lives to making the world 
a better place for their children and others that are living with IDD. The rights opened the original Betty Bitty and Bo's Coffee in January 2016 in Wilmington, North Carolina in a 500-square-foot space run by 19 employees with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And they opened the shop so that their children would one day have a place to work. They looked out at the community and thought, you know, there's not too many opportunities for disabled people, whether physically or intellectually. So they felt that if they opened their own coffee shop, then their children would one day have a place to work. Now, with over 70% of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities unemployed in America, 70% unemployed, Bose Coffee created a path for people with IDD to become more valued, more accepted, and included in every community. In July 2016, Bose Coffee was renamed Bitty and Bose Coffee because at Bose's 12th birthday, his wish was to have his sister's name put up in lights too. So the parents obliged, and instead of being just Bose Coffee, it became Bitty and Bo's Coffee. Then they moved to a 5,000 square foot building. That's 10 times the size of your original coffee shop that now serves as both a local coffee house and a national headquarters. And they've got 40 employees, all of whom have some form of of disability with the exception of two managers. And this fall, they're opening a second outpost in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, Biddy and Bows is like any other coffee shop. There's a smell of coffee brewing, a case full of croissants and muffins, a handful of people sitting at tables in front of steaming cups and computers. Yet this place is different. There's Jesse, the bubbly cashier, who has cerebral palsy and wears a flower crown every day and only takes a break from chatting to ring up customers' coffee orders. There's Matt Dean, who has autism and is hell-bent on selling Biddy and Bo's totes to everyone who walks in the door. There's a crushing need for employment for people who have disabilities. In 2015, only 17.5% of people with disabilities 
were employed. I think if we looked around, we would find in many businesses a raft of opportunities for people with disabilities. Now, when the... Um, changed it to Biddy and Bose and they opened their new premises. The rights were absolutely flooded with applications. Applications just poured in. And they believe that the first step to solving that problem is changing the way people with disabilities are viewed. And they see that happening every day at Biddy and Bose. I go back to my childhood and um, my sister, who was four years younger than I am, um, had a severe disability and went to a school for crippled children for a number of years. And it wasn't really that helpful in those days. It was more of a place where you could put people. This is a long time ago, but it certainly didn't encourage people with disabilities to be better. Um, and when you go to Biddy and, and Bose, you watch customers' faces and you see the progression that they go through. And when people leave, after being greeted by the bubbly Jesse and served by Matt, they've changed. Customers have formed friendships with some of the employees and they've enjoyed watching their personalities grow. People get to see them as people and not as somebody with a disability. And it's got to the stage where the people at work at Biddy and Bose get to know you, and you get to know them, and you see them open up because when they originally begin, they're nervous because they've probably been treated offhandedly most of their lives. So these kids essentially open up from being a wallflower to suddenly coming out, chatting with all the customers and sticking their hands up and taking high fives. Now, when people give each other a chance, barriers come tumbling down. So, at your office, or your factory, or your shop, are there roles for people with disabilities? They're loyal, they're dedicated, they really, really want to work. So are there opportunities at your place of business that could assist 
reducing this percentage from 70% of people with disabilities unemployed to something more like the rest of the community, down to around 4%. It wouldn't take that many, that many of us to make a huge change in a lot of people's lives. And the whole point of Biddy and Bows is to show people who come in to the cafe that people with intellectual and developmental disabilities can do a hell of a lot more than you think they can. They're really quite capable. I just got an email from Tom Parker who says, you're right about Biddy and Bose. I've got a similar story from Adelaide, Australia. I met Nick Holmes in the early 90s in a winery at the Barossa Valley. Nick was the head winemaker and was responsible for producing outstanding wines. On one of my business visits, we got around to talking about the long hours he worked and then asked Nick what he did in his spare time. He said that he had an embryonic vineyard and that he had recently established. On his days off, which were Sundays, he would go and work in the vineyard. He would mow and trim and do all the things that were needed. I asked him why he did this when he spent so much time at his vineyard. He said that he had married a woman that came with four wonderful sons and he doubted that they would have meaningful work when they eventually finished their schooling. He started the vineyard for them. The vineyard ended up being a very successful vineyard with the story having a great ending. So thanks very much, Tom. That's that's terrific. So... The rights are not that unusual, a little unusual, but not that unusual. Let's see what we can all do to assist this situation. Again, I said it last week, but I'll say it again. Thank you to our listeners for your tremendous sport support over the last six years. I'm not going anywhere yet. And to all those unbelievable members of Metal who have always been there for me and have provided over 100 interviews with the most prominent entrepreneurs in the country. I appreciate it. Now remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up way too much space. It's easier and more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. It's better to aim for the stars and miss than it is to aim for the gutter and succeed. And if you're always trying to be normal, you'll never know what amazing and how amazing you can be. So I hope you have a sensational week. I hope you can join me again next Tuesday. And in the meanwhile, continue to be successful because the alternative really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.